welcome to episode 136 of Real Life Ghost Stories. To kick things off this week, we need to thank our newest Patreon subscribers. We would like to thank Elizabeth Akin, Letty, Abby Hassett, Kitty Nibbles 99, Chris Newcomb, Lucy Fitz, Jessica Medina, Summer Wages, Janella Rivera, Callie Little, Samwise Jordan, Gabriella Perkins, Claire Powell, Sharon Monique Rogers Dunworth, Jenny Jackson, Kate O'Brien, Mary Beth Pinkowski, Rosetta O'Sullivan, Janique, and Margaret Biffar. Thank you so much for supporting on Patreon. I appreciate it. I'm really thankful for you. Just to remind you that Patreon is not currently active. There isn't content being posted and subscriptions have been frozen. You can subscribe if you wish for $5 to access all of the back catalogue of episodes. But there will be no new content for a while. And hopefully I'll be back posting on Patreon in September. And very exciting news today, I have a promo. We haven't done a promo in so long. And today's promo is for They're Not Shadows podcast. Join Chris for stories of the supernatural, the paranormal and the unexplained. Each episode covers a variety of different spooky stories and phenomena. You can find They're Not Shadows anywhere that you listen to podcasts. And please do listen to the following promo and feel free to subscribe if you like. Hi, I'm Chris. Join me for stories of the paranormal, the supernatural and the unexplained on the new podcast, They're Not Shadows. She followed me, trying to get some information out of me and opened the bedroom door just in time to see the closet door slam shut. She ran over to see what the hell I was doing in her friend's closet. But when she opened the door, it was empty. If it mystifies or terrifies, you'll find it every week on They're Not Shadows. Before we start with our story this week, I uh, just want to say that if you can hear a rumbling, it's because Bimmy is sitting on my knee and is point blank refusing to move. Uh, so she's purring and you're just going to have to, <laughs> you're just going to have to deal with the noise because I can't move her. For our story this week, we are going back to Scotland, which is somewhere that I love and somewhere that has incredible ghost stories. So let's do this. Scotland's national animal is the unicorn. That's not a joke. It's a fact. The bizarre choice for the national animal is a nod to the fact that the country is steeped in myth, legend and lore. It is a country that is awash with folklore and superstition, tales of fairies, mermaids, ghosts and monsters. Since 850 AD, Edinburgh has been a place of power in Scotland, and Edinburgh Castle became the physical embodiment of that power a towering, imposing structure built on a hill overlooking the city. As with almost all castles that have survived over the centuries, it has been the centre of pain, suffering, war and torture. It became the seat of Scottish royalty in the 12th century and a military stronghold in the 17th century. Medieval poems spoke of bands of warriors that would feast in the castle for days before riding out to their deaths in battle. It is a place that held great power and might, but conversely, 
was the most besieged castle in Britain, its occupants living in constant fear of attack. It housed royals and soldiers, rebels and prisoners, and at one point, an elephant that lived happily in the stables. It is inevitable that a place with such a rich and violent history would be the home of several hauntings. And where else would the hauntings be more prevalent than in the dungeons? The dungeons were used to hold many prisoners over the years. Some were regular people of the city who had broken the law, some were witches, and some were prisoners of war. It is with the prisoners of war that we begin our story. They were only introduced into the castle in 1756, and no one was quite sure what to do with them. International law stated that there were certain regulations that needed to be followed in the care of prisoners of war. They were provided with fireplaces, ventilation, separate latrines, hammocks, exercise spaces, but the conditions were still horrendous. The dungeons were cramped, and no amount of fireplaces could stop the chill of the Scottish wind that whipped through the dungeons. There were major problems with overcrowding, and the rules around the release of prisoners of war were so arbitrary that no one knew if or when they would get to go home. In 1805, a young drummer boy was captured at the Battle of Trafalgar and was still being kept as a prisoner six years later. Manny died in captivity. The conditions and the uncertainty were unbearable for some, and there were those who decided that a slim chance at escape was preferable to an apparent eternity of horror. A French prisoner was one of those who decided to take a chance, and he hatched a cunning plan. Granted, it was a disgusting plan, but it was cunning nonetheless. He had watched the comings and goings of the guards for the entire time that he was there, and he knew that there was only one way out. Each week, he watched as the guards wheeled giant barrows of human waste out of the castle and presumably down the hill to dump it. And that was his way out. Quietly and quickly one day when the coast was clear, he lowered himself into the wheelbarrow of shit and held his breath. The plan was pretty foolproof, and in a way it worked. The wheelbarrow trundled through the dark, dank, narrow passageways of the dungeon and out into the night air. The man knew that he was clear of the castle and just had to make it down the hill. That was all. Just make it down the hill. And he did make it down the hill but he had miscalculated how that would happen. He first realised that things were going wrong when he felt himself sliding violently out of the barrow. It was too soon, he thought. He couldn't possibly be at the bottom of the hill already. The last thing he realised was that he had made a grave error before everything went dark. The waste was, of course, dumped down the hill, but what he didn't realise was that the waste was unceremoniously flung off the cliff edge of the rocky outcrop that the castle sits on top of. The waste was not, as he assumed, wheeled down the hill and dumped into a sewer. He plummeted to his death, and it is alleged that even in his death he has never quite been able to escape the castle. He is one of the many ghosts that is regularly reported and people have said that his presence is heralded by a horrific smell and then phantom hands try to shove them towards the edge of the rocks. 
Many have also reported being overwhelmed by a great sense of rage when this happens. This story is also reported with a sense of amusement. Something about bodily excretions brings out the comedian in all of us. But there are stories that are even darker than this. A Scottish ghost story wouldn't be complete without a set of ghostly bagpipes. But the story behind the Piper of Edinburgh Castle is tragic, but also not that hard to believe. We know that beneath the city of Edinburgh there are tunnels and vaults, and we'll speak about them in more detail later. But we do know that they have had various uses throughout time. A couple of hundred years ago inhabitants of the castle discovered an entrance to tunnels beneath the fortress, and decided that they needed to discover where the tunnels went. The opening was too small for a grown man to fit down, so they decided to send a small boy down instead. After they lowered him down into the darkness, they dropped a set of bagpipes down after him. They told him to make his way through the tunnels and play the bagpipes as he went so the gathered watchers could follow the sound and track where he was. Again... It was a plan that worked until it didn't, and without warning or reason the sound of the bagpipes stopped. No one had thought ahead about what would happen to this boy if things went wrong. In reality it was very likely that no one cared about what would happen to the boy if things went wrong. They waited and waited for the boy to return, and he never did. And in a panic they blocked up the entrance to the tunnel, leaving the boy with the bagpipes to perish. The sound of bagpipes have been heard beneath the floors of the castle numerous times and continue to be heard to this day. Buildings like the Edinburgh Castle have seen the ebb and flow of thoughts and ideas and societal trends and fears. And it too saw its share of witch trials. The most famous of which is the trial of Lady Janet Douglas of Glams in 1537. King James V of Scotland and Lady Janet had a turbulent history and there were legal proceedings brought against her throughout her life. Eventually, James V accused her of witchcraft and to gather evidence against her, he mercilessly tortured her family members and her servants. She was burned at the stake on the 17th of July 1537 and her son was forced to watch every second of the dire affair. The Grey Lady began to appear throughout the castle not long after her death, and she is still seen today roaming the corridors and weeping. As with all major cities, there was a duality that existed in Edinburgh. Atop the hill were the lofty heights of royalty, and beneath the ground were tunnels filled with poverty and crime. As the population of the city grew, people moved into underground tunnels, and they became hidden slums that were said to be home to gangs, criminals, body snatchers, and, depending on who you believe, serial killers. The vaults have been flooded and burned and were eventually reburied. In episode 99, we discussed the Banshee Labyrinth, which is a haunted pub that is buried in the vaults and gave a rundown on the history of the vaults. But the Banshee Labyrinth isn't the only part of the tunnels that has reported ghostly activity. The vaults are separated into different chambers, and there are multiple ghosts that are said to reside there. In a room known as the Cobbler's Room, people have reported seeing a woman with a black shroud sitting in the corner, seemingly cowering in fear. Psychics have reported that this woman is frightened of the angry spirit of a man who also resides in the room, 
and this room has repeatedly been the scene of issues for pregnant women. Women who are pregnant, regardless of whether others are aware of their pregnancy, have been pushed, pinched and even been suddenly violently ill while in this chamber. There is the spirit of a little boy named Jack who throws stones and moves items around. He can be heard laughing and playing throughout the vaults. And there are EVPs and videos of his alleged activities on different shows from Ghost Adventures to the BBC. There is then, of course, the most terrifying entity in the vaults. And that is Mr. Boots. Mr. Boots frequents a particular chamber in the vaults and is said to be violent and aggressive. It's difficult to know what the facts are behind this entity. Some say that he was a slum landlord who instilled terror into the poor families that were forced to live in the vaults. And others say that he was a serial killer who murdered sex workers and buried them there. Visitors to the vaults have been pushed and Mr. Boots has been both heard and recorded shouting, Get out! On my travels for stories about the castle and the vaults, I came across the same legends and lore time and time again, but very few personal stories. And then I remembered. We have almost 600 emails sitting in our inbox, so surely there would be one story there from Edinburgh. And there were. To finish today's story, we're going to explore three listener stories from the vaults. And I will warn you, to brace yourselves for these ones. Our first story came from Sarah, and she said, You mentioned that you were thinking of doing an episode on the Edinburgh Vaults. I thought I would share our experience of the Blair Street Vaults with you. This happened about nine years ago. I admit it. The whole reason we visited Edinburgh in the first place was because of ghost adventures. I was 20 at the time, and fascinated in the paranormal. I loved the first five seasons of Ghost Adventures, but now I can't bear to watch fake Bagans screaming about demons. Plus, you have to question the amount of activity they get. Anyway, I got really friendly with a group of girls on Twitter who, like me, were fascinated by the paranormal and wanted to visit the vaults. We ended up arranging a trip to Edinburgh and hiring out the Blair Street vaults for a private investigation for a few hours. There were eight of us all together. Some of the girls had been on investigations before. Myself and Richard had never been on one before. We went in with a very open mind and we weren't expecting that much to happen. When we arrived, our guide took us around the vaults telling us about all the paranormal hotspots. Initially, the vaults felt very comfortable. We decided to start out our investigation in Mr. Boots' vault, the notorious nasty cloaked figure who got his name because of the sound of his heavy boot steps when walking around the vaults. All eight of us and the tour guide sat in the vault with our backs against the wall with a candle in the middle. I had a cheap, shitty voice recorder, so we decided to do an EVP session. We took it in turns to ask questions. One of the girls asked, Can you blow out the candle? And all of a sudden, the candle went from a gentle flicker to a violent movement, as if someone was trying to blow it out. I would like to add that there was no airflow in the vaults. It is deadly still, and none of us were close enough to blow on the candle. We were totally mesmerised by what we were seeing. One of the girls suddenly looked up as she saw movement just outside the vault. 
it looks like there's somebody in the doorway, she said out loud. Unbeknownst to me at the time, I caught an EVP responding to her saying, Good girl. Right in the doorway. Yeah, right in the doorway. So does anyone want that? There were two guys in the group, a softly spoken tour guide and my other half, Richard, who didn't say anything. He just sat there, watching. Not much happened the rest of the night. We did have a stone thrown at us, though. At the end of the night, we were walking towards the stone spiralled staircase to exit. When we all stopped at the same time, we heard a child laughing. None of us could explain it. It echoed, but it also had a watery sound to it. It was very hard to explain. We made our way back to the hotel talking about the vaults and how amazed we were that we actually witnessed something. We said goodbye to two of the girls that were staying in another hotel. When we went back to the hotel we said goodnight to each other in the hotel lobby and went in opposite directions to our rooms. The remaining four girls were sharing a room on the second floor. Our room was on the third floor on the opposite side of the hotel. As soon as Rich and I got back to the hotel we got changed and went to bed straight away. By this point it was approaching 1.30am so we were both completely shattered. We must have been in bed for about 45 minutes when we were woken up by a loud bang from the inside of the cupboard that was built into the wall. What the fuck was that? I said, sitting up. Rich being cool as a cucumber turned on the lights and checked out the cupboard. Nothing has fallen over, it must have been next door, he calmly said. He shut the cupboard, turned the lights off and went back to bed. I just took his word for it and went back to sleep. The next morning we all met for breakfast at the Deacon's House Cafe on the Mile. Straight away one of the girls said, We had somebody bang really loudly on the door last night at about two in the morning. We opened the door and there was nobody there. I told them what had happened to us. It could have been nothing, but it just seemed like too much of a coincidence. We both went into the vaults as sceptics, but both came away wanting to experience more. Weird, right? It was like an adrenaline rush. So in Sarah's story we heard all about Mr Boots, who comes up time and time again in any of the folklore surrounding the Edinburgh vaults. And we also heard about Jack. Well, we heard about his laughter. And Claire sent us another story, which centres around children, but in a totally different way. I'm a nurse in Edinburgh and I have a couple of spooky experiences that I thought I'd share. I have experiences of the paranormal and I often hear things such as voices, etc. But these stories truly scared me. I could share more, but I would be here all day. My first story takes place years ago when I was a student nurse. I had a part-time job as a tour guide for one of Edinburgh's well-known ghost tours. I genuinely loved my job and I prided myself in my ability to keep calm in the most terrifying situations. There was one occasion that I was leading a group into the notorious Edinburgh vaults. My colleague Ben was with me as the size of the group required two guides, the health and safety I guess. Among the group was an American woman and her young daughter. I tried to discourage the woman from bringing her daughter onto the tours that can be scary and I had guessed that this little girl was six or seven. The little girl's mother was adamant she wanted to do the tour with her daughter. The little girl was also called Claire, which is why I remembered her name. At one point during the tour, the group gathered in a large vault, 
and I told one of the many ghost stories Edinburgh has to offer. As planned, we switched off our torches in order to show the group the complete darkness of the vaults. It was at this point we heard a terrified scream. The American lady was screaming her daughter's name in desperation. It took a moment for both myself and my colleague to switch on our torches and make it over to the woman. Her daughter was no longer beside her. A quick search of the vault showed Claire at the far back corner of the vault, facing the wall. We all rushed over to Claire, who appeared completely unharmed. Her mother asked her why she'd moved away, and she answered that she didn't. She was taken away, led by her hand. To this her mother said, but I didn't move, I didn't lead you anywhere. And Claire replied, I know, Mom. It wasn't your hand. I know that because it had claws. Needless to say, the tour ended pretty quickly after that. My second story took place when I was a newly qualified nurse again, working in Edinburgh. I was working the night shift at one of the city's old convalescence hospitals. Just think super creepy hospital and you get the idea. The charge nurse was working on the ward with me that night. On night shifts, one nurse on each ward carries a bleep in case of emergency. The most common reason for the bleep going off was cardiac arrest. During the shift, at around 3 in the morning, the bleep went off and the charge nurse ran off to one of the other wards. About an hour later, she returned, and all I can say is that she looked grey. When I asked her what the hell happened... She told me she was running to a cardiac arrest on one of the upstairs wards when she came across a lady on the stairs who asked her for help as she couldn't find her bed. The charge nurse asked her to have a seat and she would send someone to help her. When she arrived at the ward, she rushed to the bedside to help with CPR and immediately froze. The patient in the bed was the lady she had spoken to on the stairs a few moments earlier. Sadly, the patient was soon pronounced dead and was taken to the mortuary. The charge nurse looked everywhere in case the lady was still wandering, but she was nowhere to be seen. Nobody else saw this lady, and as far as I'm aware, she wasn't one of the hospital's regular ghosts. Now look, I know the second part of that story wasn't necessarily about the vaults, but it was pretty creepy and short, so I thought I'd include it. And I do have one more story for you, which comes from Katie. I once had a bit of an odd experience when my friend H, her sister Claire and I went on a tour of the vaults under Edinburgh. Yes, we had a spooky time while we were down there, cold spots and what was that moments, but nothing that couldn't be happily explained away as the environment or very good effects produced by actors in the cold light of the pub afterwards. The tour ended in a bar and before we went to get a drink, H and I went to the loo. While I was in the stall, I heard H, impatient as always at me being a slowpoke, calling my name. I called back, yes, yes, I'm coming, and came out of the stall. But H wasn't by the sinks, where I expected to find her. The toilets were empty. I instantly had that dread feeling in the pit of my stomach that whoever had called out to me, it hadn't been her. I very quickly washed my hands and got out of there. I went to find H and Claire at the bar and asked her why she had shouted for me if she was just going to leave me anyway and why didn't she wait because that toilet was scary as hell. She looked at me like I was mad 
and said that she had come out in a rush because I had called out to her that I would meet her back at the bar and being on her own in the toilets gave her the heebie-jeebies. When I told her that I had still been in the toilet, she said no. She was pretty sure that the toilet was empty when she left. Now, I fully admit that H could have been on the wind-up, but she looked genuinely disturbed, and she's not known to be a prankster. We weren't drunk at that point in the night, and we hadn't wanted to be drunk nuisances that everyone hates on that type of late-night ghost tour. Mostly I just believe her. I got such an awful feeling when I realised I was on my own in there. It fully freaked both of us out that someone or something could sound enough like each of us to fool the other. We've been friends for far too long not to know what we sound like. And I definitely didn't hear anything that sounded like me calling to her. I can't explain what happened or what either of us heard, but it makes me go all cold every time I think about it. I couldn't remember the name of the bar and I just had a quick Google to see if I could find it. And wouldn't you know it, it's the Banshee Labyrinth. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I know it was a bit of a mix of listener stories and some folklore and some history thrown in there, but I hope you enjoyed it. If you would like to send your own story, you can do so by emailing it to reallifeghoststoriespodcast at gmail.com. You can also check out everything on our website at reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. And on that note, we shall see you next week. <laughs>